Welcome to Come On You Reds, episode 106, and a special one, more importantly, the Supporter Shield edition of your Toronto FC podcast. Dun, 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 dun. Get in there, my son! I feel like we need special music, we need the band to come in and play, because Toronto FC are the top team in Major League Soccer but do, for wait, the 2017 just, MLS season. Do we need music? Is it a big surprise? It's just another day at TFC. It they, is. But back in my day, if we won the shield, I'd, I'd still be out now. I'd still be celebrating, but it's just normal now. Buddy, this, this is a dream come true for a club 11 years in to win the supporter shield. So we might as well let, you know, let loose a little bit and make this the party edition of Come On You Reds. Wheeler and Dunfield with you. Pleasure to have you along as per usual. Big week around the club, Terry. Huge week. And, and, and I'm not playing it down at all. And I think there should be more weight given to the supporters shield you've won the league that's the toughest thing to do in football you're judged over 34 games you're the best team in the league and in europe everywhere else around the world world sorry you're judged on winning the league and i think in north america winning the MLS Cup is the be in and end all, but I think a bigger achievement is winning the Supporter Shield. It's an incredible achievement, and what's even a bigger achievement is is the way they've done it, the fashion in, in the fashion they've done it. It, it. it comes to me in no surprise at all, and they're definite deserved winners. On this episode, we're going to look back at how Toronto FC made it to this high water point. We'll reflect on the win. A dramatic win on Saturday night. Nothing came easy against the New York Red Bulls. Our latest installment, it's a hot segment right now. High five. (laughs) Our our top five team performances of the season. We'll tell you why there was a little bit of confusion when I put it out on Twitter, at WheelerTSN, at Terry underscore Dunfield. And it's the international break. Some massive World Cup qualifiers and a Canadian friendly uh, to come. But, But let's piggyback off what happened on Saturday night. Before we get into the particulars, let's get into what this means. When you were a player at the club, Terry, I mean, this was the goal. And for years, it seemed unattainable. Yet here we are, Toronto FC on 65 points with two games to go. It's been a dream season. They can set the the MLS record for points in the season still if they pick up four more points through the next two games. And one more win would equal the most wins in an MLS season that was set by the Seattle Sounders back in 2014 when they won 20 wins. So there's still history on the line. I'm not sure that how much that matters to the team right now. They want to win the MLS Cup. But all of these things are combining to make for an historic season and a great buzz around the club. You understand how much this means to each and everyone around this club when you've been around the KTG all week. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is is there's a real team-first mentality. It really is all for one right now. And, and there's a real winning mentality that's gone all the way through the club right now. And I, I think winning the Shield was so, so important. Uh, just to kind of get over the line, win it, it was always going to happen, and now the team can focus on winning the MLS Cup. I think setting a record would be great, an incredible achievement, uh, but the focus now shifts to, to the MLS Cup. Right, I, and, and I'm with you winning winning the regular season, and I, was, I just won't say this for MLS, I'll say this for all North American sports. 
It should matter more. If you want to convince your fan base that each and every regular season game that you're tuning into on television or the radio or streaming online or paying good money to buy a ticket to go out and watch, you want to know that that game means something more than just playoff positioning. And I think the players want those games to mean that much more as well. They understand there's a process that needs to play out, but it has to be seen as the most rewarding thing to be the top team over the course of a regular season in any sport period end of story 100 percent. and don't forget if we didn't win the canada cup winning the league that's an entrance into Concacaf as well um and and it does give you home field advantage and i think that's important all the way through the playoffs bmo's been an absolute fortress again this year and i think with tfc having so many weapons in their team especially at home teams are going to find it so difficult coming to bmo in the playoffs and don't forget the electric atmosphere that the fans create well bradley pointed this out so did Vanny I think some others did as well now what this does is it guarantees that Toronto FC's last game of the year will be at BMO Field so they're confident that when another team comes into BMO Field that they can get the best of them 100%. You know, like whether it's the home and away, whether it's the MLS Cup on December 9th. And another reason why the team's eating breakfast off the Supporters' Shield this morning is because they don't change their mentality either. Going, so, so, Sorry, that's... I like the, that the terminology, short, by the, the way. The Shield's not here yet, but right. the big reason why they have the Shield... Metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically speaking, is... I think that's because, the right use of the word. Is, ...is because <laughs> they don't change their mentality at all away from home either. They TFC can go on the road, play the exact same way, fine-tune their system a little bit, but they're picking up road wins for fun as well. So, I, I mean, things are are going so, so good. I'm touching wood as I say it right now. Um, A.K.A. your noggin. My, my, big, my big dome. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, how the groups approach this season um, it, it has been incredible, and it's two goals ticked off now. Canada Cup, MLS Supporter Shield, and now we move on to the Audi M- MLS 2017 playoff. Just, just so fans know, the Supporter Shield wasn't in attendance because what happens is once you clinch, the supporters that won the Supporter Shield from the year ago because it's a supporters award come up or go to whichever place from team club won the Supporter Shield and present them to it once the mission is accomplished. Now, the club could have had the supporters from FC Dallas, who won the Supporters' Shield in 2016, come up and bring the Shield to be presented on the field on Saturday night. But the way that things played out, just not knowing what was going to happen, uh, it was just a safer bet this way. And the extra jab in it is that this way they present the Shield to Toronto FC when their rivals, the Montreal Impact, come to town. Uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? And uh, I, I think, too, having the added extra pressure was always going to be a tough game against New York Red Bulls of having the Supporter Shield here. I, I mean, you don't need that. And, and then Greg's done a wonderful job of, of not letting the team get too high or get ahead of themselves and taking it game by game. So I think that was a smart move. Also kind of cool, I heard a story that some someone within the Red Patch Boys, a supporters group here at TFC, helped design the Supporters' Shield back in the day. Yeah, very cool. Uh, James Grossi of Waking the Red does some work for Toronto FC. Top man. Uh, he's been asking people this week whether like they do in the Premier League and many leagues once a team has clinched the league, whether there should be like uh, a wall of a guard of honor where like the okay. team, like as the team that's won the, the championship is entering the pitch, 
that the team lines up and applauds them onto the field. I think he's just trying to like add a little spark to try to maybe put some pressure on the Montreal Impact <laughs> to show a little love to Toronto FC. I would be Hilarious. Awesome. It's not something that happens in MLS, but I'm like, that's not a bad idea. I like it. I like against the Red against Montreal. <laughs> if that happens, it'd be incredible. It would be better. Like. My, the Montreal players will be throwing up in their mouth. No That'd be kidding. horrible. No, but so good. Yes. Eat it, Patrice. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, His it, last ever game. It was He's a clapping TFC. On field. Like, uh, Christian Jack and I were on the field for the post-match celebrations, and Josie's like, where's the shield? Where's the shield? And, and, and I understood why there was a little bit of confusion for the players. They're focused on the task at hand. And when they win, they're like, okay, where is it? So that was a little bit of a disappointment, but I understand why. And that will make for the final home regular season match of the season. That'll make it a little bit extra special. A hundred percent. So I, I'm, I'm fine with it playing with that TFC way. TFC can officially, it's going to be tough. And Montreal's playoff hopes as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's I, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. I mean, they're, they're up against it. Uh, TFC beating the Red Bulls obviously helped Montreal big time. They need help from Vancouver next weekend. If Vancouver can uh, get a result in New York, that helps big Playing time as well. Playing during the international break, so that means no Kendall Waston. Uh, Bolaños. Sure. Bolaños. Uh, I don't think the Red Bulls are that effective. Marinovic, he's going away with New Zealand. He'll right. be playing in Japan. Interesting. Uh, Osted will come back in. But sp splitting up Kendall Waston and uh, Tim Parker's uh, is definitely a blow for uh, right. the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, uh, I wrote a piece for TS <clears throat> excuse me, TSN.ca. For the record, by the way, you give a ton of praise out to the world always on this show. That was an excellent piece. And if you've not had a chance to read it, definitely read it. Oh, thanks, buddy. I just thought it was important to document like how Toronto FC have got to this point. And a lot of people that don't follow the team on a regular basis will be like, well, obviously it's Javinko and Altador and Bradley. But that was just part of the equation. It's not like basketball. And you Vasquez and yes. Moro. Well, that's the and thing. Bono, you and the back three, and Vanny, and the TFC U14 coach. Well, that's especially the TFC U14 coach. <laughs> Dunfield. Um, but this is the whole point, is that it's not like basketball. You can bring in a big three and be like, oh, we're going to be a championship team. It takes so much more than that. And even when Bradley, Altidore, and Javinko were on the field, TFC back in 2015 lost their last two games or didn't win their last two games of the season. They went and lost 3 nothing, played off the pitch in Montreal. That's when the wake-up call happened. So I kind of looked at what's happened from that point forward and what have been the true difference makers in this team. Is there one factor more than anything else for you, Terry, that has turned this team into a competitive playoff group to the best team in Major League Soccer? Two things. Okay. Victor Vasquez. I, I think he's been a missing part. Actually, two and a half. I always do this. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say Victor Vasquez, Marky Delgado's form, and the fact that from the kitchen staff to the scouting department to the analytics team to the first team coaching staff, the academy staff to the president, front office, Tim Bezbichenko, media, everyone is pulling in the same direction together and knows what their role is. And, and that filtrates right down into the changing room. Right. The points, and I don't know if they came sequentially, but – you got to remember that in 2015, Bill Manning had just come to town. The team was linked to Jason Christ, whether he was going to bring in his own people. And after that 3 nothing loss, he could, just, could have just pulled the carpet out on everyone and said, okay, this isn't good enough. I'm going to do things my way. But I'll give Bill a lot of credit. He understood that continuity is what was needed at this club. 
He kept Tim Bezbachenko. I, I think, sorry, sorry, just, just there. I think continuity, loyalty, and a real winning right. mentality. Terry, you were here. I mean, players would come in, come and go. It was a revolving door. Coaches eight and eight years. It just wasn't a recipe for success. I think close to 100 players came and went Crazy. during my three years here. It was, it was just not so like keeping the coaching staff and the front office was number one. Number two, understanding the team had to improve defensively. They scored 58 goals in 2015. They gave up 58 goals. Yeah. So they brought in Drew Moore, Stephen Bateshore, and Clint Irwin right away. That settled things down at the back. No more Kentari, no more Perkis. Like, Perkis was a decent player in his time, but he wasn't fast enough for this league. He wasn't the right type for MLS. The right back position was an absolute nightmare for years. Remember the boy Bader from Dallas that, that played down. there? Jackson. Jackson. And it was a number of different players. Badisher settled that down. That was huge. The, the, the growth within the team was huge. Bringing in depth, then adding players like Mavinga and Vasquez and Ricketts on top, and now Nicholas Hasler. It's all come together. Astute scouting, understanding that the 3-5-2 suited this team best, and getting better defensively had made all the differences in the world. Bez has been real important. Bez Pachenko managing this cap and getting all these players under the cap. So difficult. And I think initially the team, the club realized they need a defensive springboard, a defensive shape to play from. And with Javinko and Altidore, we're always going to get opportunities up yep. front. And, and I think they ticked that box last season. But then once the team shifted to this 3-5-2 system and, and Greg found a system that suits Michael Bradley down to the ground, right. I think that's where the team really went to another level. The 3-5-2 was a huge call. Think about when he did that at the end of last year. How many bad games has this team played? You, you can count on one hand. Seriously. Lesson, you can count on an ET hand. So Since what? Last August, he made the change. And then they ran through the MLS uh, MLS Cup playoffs. The only teams that maybe hurt us is teams with a l pace up front. Yeah. Atlanta, Vancouver once at home with Hurtado and Mane up front. I'm, I'm clutching at straws That was here. before they went to a 3-5-2. I, I don't know. And this coaching staff was actually given time to execute their vision. And whether it's utilizing the high press, passing patterns, the way that they want to play, no matter what system they're in, it's consistent. And the, the, the coaching staff, I give a whole lot of credit because you've probably been on teams before where you have absolute quality in the team. You look around you and say, yeah, this is a top group, but it's about the coaching staff finding the best ways to get the most out of the team. Finding a structure. for As a player, you want to know exactly what your role is once you go down into that pitch. Platt is a perfect example. We were playing 4-4-2 here with yep. Mariner. We couldn't find a system that would suit Plata. He leaves and he goes and absolutely kills it in Real Salt Lake. Are players surprised? Not one little bit. But if you don't have a structure, you don't have a system of philosophy for players to play within you're struggling big time and I think once they found that system you're now putting the cherry on top and a player like Victor Vasquez coming in to that 3-5-2 system that player who can unlock teams when teams come to BMO park the bus was a huge acquisition in the offseason I know I know you weren't there Saturday night but whether it was supporters coming up to me just just having a chat or people that have been at this club, there's still some day oneers. Assistant General Manager Corey Ray, one of them. Uh, you could just see how much the night meant for them. So Saturday night at BMO Field was a real special one. We'll talk about how the game played out 
it was almost a game where it wasn't going to be a party night. The Supporter Shield wasn't going to come to Toronto. It was that close, but TFC, again, with some late dramatics. We'll re- we will reflect on the 4-2 win over the New York Red Bulls next. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you. This is Come On You Reds, the Supporter Shield Edition. High five, still to come in a few moments If time. anyone gives us any stick, we can just hit them with the Supporter Shield now. No kidding. Trying to get into a nightclub tonight's not your night, Dunfield? No, I'm going to hit them with the Supporter Shield Do and you, walk straight in. But if you hit someone with an actual shield, that's very Game of Thrones. I just put it up to protect me. I'm, walk, I'm hitting the bouncer with the shield, and I'm going to walk in and get the dragon. Gotcha. Lady. What would you choose, having a shield on your arm or a hot bird on a Saturday night? <laughs> it's a shield a all one. day. <laughs> yes. The shield. Plus, my wife's in England. So. <laughs> that too. Combo. Yes. Um, let, the let, bird on the shield. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bird, boy. bird, bird. Bird is the word. Uh, let's get into what happened on Saturday night. Still no Sebastian Javinko, but Josio Altador back in the team. And a little bit of a surprise from the Red Bulls. As Jesse Marsh was clear, he's confident in his team. He likes their form despite the fact they're not winning games. They're just drawing all over the place. But decided to rest Sasha Kleschen and Bradley Wright Phillips from the get-go because they have a game this Saturday. And I think that he understood coming into Toronto wasn't going to be an easy game. And with a four-point cushion on three teams for that final playoff spot, that was a risk he was willing to take. So advantage to Toronto FC out of the gate when you looked at the team sheet. Yeah, as soon as I saw the team sheet, I was quick on bet 365. I'm thinking, <laughs> how, can, how can you not come to Toronto with Bradley Wright Phillips and Sasha Kleshin on the bench? All that Wright Phillips does is score goals against That's TFC. A, I know. It's, so I get it. They, they want to freshen it up. He makes five changes. It was an absolute kick in the stones the week before I watched him play DC. DC scored to tie it 3-3 in extra time. Uh, so, yes, he freshens up the way the Red Bulls play. They exclude a ton of energy. Uh, they play a real high-tempo, high-pressing game. So having freshness is important. I thought Toronto, oh, by the way, Mavinga back in the 11 and Hasler preferred over Betashore. But I thought TFC struggled, especially in the early stages. Like, if I'm going to have one criticism about Toronto FC this year, sometimes the first 15 minutes of the match, a little bit cagey. Not every game. There's been some games, and we're going to go over some of their top games from this year where they've scored early. But this was yet another game where they kind of started slowly. And New York, full credit, with this new system of 3-4-3 or whatever you want to call it. I thought they were impressive. Tyler Adams, top young player. He can play anywhere all over the park. Big fan of Royer up front. A little shaky at the back. But generally, the high press made it so Toronto FC couldn't complete passes. I think I looked down at halftime, and Toronto FC had only completed about 72% of their passes. This is a team that's usually well over 80. So everything was kind of a little bit disjointed on the night. Yeah, I was surprised. It was one of the few weeks where Greg Vanny had them on the training ground for five, six days leading up to it. Maybe there was a little bit of nerves. Uh, the, the pressure of, of just getting over the line and winning so? the Shield. A little nerves? bit of that. And a combination of, I think, New York, the New York Red Bulls started on the front foot as the game went on, got a little bit of confidence, said, yeah, this is working. And, and when teams press you high, you have to have a picture in your head. You have to know what you're going to do when that before that ball comes to you. I thought TFC would just try to maybe overplay out of the back rather than going back to front and beating that press. And when you've got Josie Altidore up front, you can play off of him. And I, I thought TFC just took, maybe I agree, 15, 20 minutes just to sort of feel the Red Bulls out. The first goal did come about 32 minutes in, 
and it was Justin Morrow on what turned out to be an incredible night. By the way, uh, we're recording this podcast Wednesday morning. Happy 30th birthday to Justin Morrow. And Saturday night, his 200th appearance in MLS. And he marked it with what was just a sensational game for a left back. Opened his scoring on the night <clears throat> in so the 32nd second minute. Player of the week, MLS as well. Congrats of the season, he's won MLS. Player of the week twice this Incredible season. Incredible for a, I was going to say left back, but that doesn't do him justice. I, I was marauding try- Danny Elvez left wing back. What do you make? What, what I don't make of, though, is how he's here. How is he here? How is he not with the men's U.S. national team right I do now? not know. I, 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 honestly, I honestly don't know. I, I know Bruce Arena likes to stick with what he knows, and maybe when he saw him play in San Jose when he was back in L.A., it's taken Morrow a little bit of time to change his thought process on him. But he can't do anything else than what he's doing but right Morrow's now. But Morrow's he's had a phenomenal year, but he's also a product of the system. And he, and he even Agreed. gives credit to the system around him. The fact that Mavinga plays behind him, solid as a rock. The fact that the system allows him to play a high line and get up there among the strikers on a regular basis, Terry. It just gives it puts him in a good position to he's thrive. A, and it's not easy because he has to he has to work his you know what to get back defensively as well. He's an absolute machine. The system suits him down to the ground. I think he looks after himself extremely well. And I think he could play till he's 35, 36. And I I think Chris Mavinga deserves credit as well in behind him. His athleticism. And, and his ability to, to defend w- overloads and 1v2s really allows Morrow to get forward as well. Now, Victor Vasquez started that move. He didn't pick up an assist on the goal, but played the ball over the top. Then, of course, it's J-Mo just tapping the ball in from a central position. That's the thing. He just doesn't hang out wide. He comes in on, inside on a regular basis. But some high pressure by Toronto FC created the turnover. Vasquez played it over the top. Altador headed it down across. A little bit of a scramble. They actually reviewed it to see if there was a handball on Ricketts. It did touch his hand. Unintentional. And J-Mo was there to bury the garbage, the trash, take it home, put it into the back of the net, one nothing TFC. Yeah, I, I thought the Red Bulls lost the ball in a bad area. They I, did. I, there was a bit of a high press to it. But I, I think Jesse Marshall will be disappointed. They lose the ball in the middle of the park. Vasquez puts the ball over the top, as you said, to Altador. And you can do that when Altador is on the pitch. Altador is a good header back across. I like the run from Ricketts to the near post. I think Robles, he, he comes off his line and he kind of doesn't really commit. No. He, he kind of shrieks at it a little bit. He turns his shoulder. And, and as, as, as you said, Morrow comes inside and he just gets himself in a, in a dangerous area. If Ricketts doesn't make that run, the goal doesn't happen. And he tucks it away. In the 37th minute, they doubled their lead, and I was like, party time, and it's J-Mo again. Like, I'm like, party time. I was like, I, I was like what? J-Mo scored again? Like, and it, it was, it's just one of those moments where, again, scramble in front of goal, and Justin Morrow right on top of the six-yard box again, just like a center forward buries it 2-0 Toronto FC. And, and quite frankly, at that point, I don't, I don't think they were deserving of a 2-0 lead. But those are the breaks. That's how it oftentimes plays out. Yeah, the second goal was an interesting one for me. It all starts with Mavinga. Normally what happens is, is TFC, or, or what Greg Vanny wants a team to do, is move that ball across the pitch, try to create an overload. The ball comes to Mavinga maybe 30 yards off the byline. And rather than trying to go out wide or, or keep shifting that ball, he puts a 
a ball into the mixer, a little bit old yep. school. Uh, and you can do that with Josie Altidore on the pitch. You, you, you can... You, you can you can just put the ball into the box, and and he's going to make stuff happen. So the ball, so Mavinga puts in. I don't want to say a nothing ball, but just a ball into the box. Altidor makes a nuisance of himself, yeah. wins it at the back post, and and Morrow again senses an opportunity. A little bit of luck falls to him, and he sticks it away. Yeah, Bradley with the shot attempt, and and Bradley somehow hasn't scored this year. He had a rifle in the game too, where he off the bar, he absolutely yeah, crushed the post. it. Yeah, what is um, and his ball was deflected right to Morrow, who tapped into the back of the net. But some good passing in around the area as well. I like Ricketts that, was involved. I thought it was a good, a decent build up to the goal. I I thought it was good, but I I like to see the. T- the team not be one-dimensional and showing different ways to attack and sometimes utilizing Altidore's strengths. Party was put on hold two minutes later. Kenner attacked the other way. It was one of those games like you could tell Bradley was in it to win it. Like he was all over the park, committed a little bit too much, and then there went the New York Red Bulls on the counter. Three, four passes inside the 18. Veron into the back of the net. Nothing Bono could do. Yeah, I've watched this goal a few times. I've watched the game a few times. Um, and, and TFC tried to do what New York Red Bulls were doing to them and, and really just stop them high up the pitch there. And, and the Red Bulls do really well. So the ball is in behind a yard off the end line of, of the New York Red Bulls end. Within five passes in 12 seconds, the Red Bulls score at the other end. They play through the lines. Great movement. It's good passing. It's one and two touch. They go all the way up the pitch, and it's a good finish from Veron. It was a, TFC were just a little bit late on each step, on each press, and, and the Red Bulls played out of it beautifully. And it's a bad time to concede just before halftime. Yeah, no kidding. And... That put the game in doubt. And really, I thought the New York Red Bulls started the second half better than Toronto FC. They were very good, Terry. And then they bring on Question. They bring on Wright Phillips. And somehow, some way, they find an equalizer. And it was so funny. Post-match, I said to Drew Moore, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't a penalty. He went down soft in the box. Then I saw the replay, and it was all your fault. <laughs> Drew Moore, a rare mistake, went down far too easily, takes down the player, penalty given, Royer steps up. He equalizes in the 77th minute. I, I, I can't think of games this year where Toronto FC up two goals and then end up finding themselves level yeah. at a point in a game. You say that the Red Bull started the second half better. Uh I would say possession wise, possessionally wise, and, and territory wise, but but TFC had two very good chances. Don't forget, just after halftime, Bradley off Rickett, the bar. Bradley off the post, Ricketts off the post as well on the counter, and it comes to Morrow. Morrow could have had a hat trick. Actually, I think just both of those were in the first half. Both of those were in the first half. So that was those were two good opportunities at two one. I thought Morrow should have squared it to Altador. Altador has a tap, and Morrow goes for his hat trick. Uh, so there's two good chances before the equalizer. On the equalizer, what I will say, it comes from a corner kick. Great ball in behind from the youngster. Adams picks out Veron. Uh, not Veron. What's his? Uh, Royer, right? Phillips. The, the player, the uh, uh, Veron, the center forward. Yeah, okay. Veron. Is it Veron? Sure. Is I, 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 I can't yeah, remember. So, I know it was down the right-hand so, side. Yeah, so, so Veron, he scores the first goal. He makes a great run in behind. Adams comes off. Veron the... did draw the penalty. Yeah. Yes, you're so, right. So Adams slides him in, and there's a little stutter from Veron, and I think that's what sucks at Drew Moore to go down to the ground. He thinks Veron's going to cross it. Moore goes down to block it, and then Veron's quite clever. The Argentinian touches it past him. There's contact. It's a penalty, and Royer steps up. Big pressure situation. 
don't forget the New York Red Bulls need these points. They're in the last spot yes. of of uh, of the playoffs. He steps up and he dinks it over Bono. Big, big penalty, 2-2. Well, and, and right before that, it was Robles coming up. I forget who was on, right on the quarter kick. That big-time reaction save. Off Ricketts' like, header. Oh, Ricketts' header. Like, great save, because that could have been 3-1. Penalty conceded. Royer really liked the player, by the way. I think the Red Bulls are a team on the rise. If they can bring in a marquee DP to surround some of these players, and if they can, much like Toronto FC did a couple of years ago, do something about their back, uh, their center the, halves are their all back over the place. Three, yeah. They're just not very good. Yeah. If they I'm can do that. It. There's a lot of talk about Long. I'm not having him. He's the one who concedes the, right. the foul on Altador. Um, well, when you give up a young defender like Miazga and yeah. don't really replace him, like Aurelian Collins out, but you shouldn't be relying Aurelian on a player Collins like I that. Hate. I'm going to say it straight up. He's my top three of hated players in MLS. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's a tool. Hey, <laughs> you were so him, serious in him, saying Breck, that. Him, Shea, and Chani drive me nuts. That I hate so playing against funny. those guys. So uh, anyway, back to my uh, I want to talk about Robles. I want to talk about Breck, that. Shea, and Chani, <laughs> and Colin are on Terry's hit list. <laughs> I your Anyone lava. else? <laughs> no, that's it. I'm, I'm sure I'm on list as well, but uh, Robles' save off of Ricketts. Delgado has a shot from the edge of the box. Ricketts, great reactions from him to guide it back towards goal. And Robles, it's, that save's almost as good as Stefan Fry's in the MLS Cup final last it year. It was outstanding. Great uh, so, reaction. So 2-2, two, two, yeah. and this time it's Toronto FC responding. Two minutes later, Josie Altidore. Oh, sorry, Tom, Tommy Sowen. He's on that list. Tommy, Tommy Sowen. Well, oh. but he's a coach. He's not I, a player. Oh, he's on that list. Uh Aaron Long takes down Josie Altador in the box. I thought it was a good call. And Alan Chapman, he let these teams play on the he night. Really a lot did. of good physicality. Point. But he I got like both it. penalties spot on. Because Long was pulling on Altador's, Altador's arm. And Altador generally doesn't get that call. But that was an absolute penalty. Just going back a little bit, this is the problem with the New York Red Bulls. They're extremely stretched. If you beat that initial press, their back three get very little protection. No Dax McCarty sat in front of them now. Right. The ball comes into Altador way too easy. It's a good ball from Morrow into Altador's feet. Once Altador gets it into his feet as a defender, if you try to wrestle him and get tight, you've got no chance. He's just going to roll you, and he rolls long beautifully. He's got soft feet. He's got strength, and long tugs him down with his arm on his shoulder 100% a penalty and it's Victor Vasquez who steps up who like the thing was it's like okay does Altador take the penalty does Vasquez take the penalty are you reading my if, notes if, if Javinko isn't in the team is Vasquez your penalty taker I thought as soon as the penalty goes down I thought for sure Altador takes me it. too me too yet it's Victor Vasquez slots it to the right he made it he makes it look so easy I think Vasquez like, and, and we're going to reflect on some of the games this year, but Vasquez might be the best set-piece taker on the team. Whoa. Is he better than Javinko? I hope Javinko doesn't listen to this podcast. Like, I'm looking at both players. I'm like, okay. I think that's Javinko, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and Javinko's one of the best set-piece takers in the world. Seriously. like I wasn't knocking on. That was my wooden leg, by the way. <laughs> but yeah. Vasquez, goal number eight on the year. What do you think, of, what do you think about that hot take? 16 assists? Uh, I thought Vasquez's penalty was smooth as butter. Honestly, no he shapes like he's going to go left. You're thinking he's going left here and then just passes it into the bottom right-hand corner. I think this city has a complete man crush on Victor Vasquez. 
Like, people are crushing on Vasquez so hard you, right I'm now. Gonna, do you think his heart rate ever goes over 120? No. Have you ever seen him sweat? Yes. There was one hot day I interviewed him up here at the KTG. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, so Vasquez, he steps up. He scores the penalty. Then in the 90th minute, plus one, hat trick finish. Josie Altador, This I thought Altador was an absolute beast on the day. Plays the ball across the 18. No offense, There's Moro, a super, wait, no offense Moro, Altador was the best player well, on the pitch. Super striker, Justin Morrow, far post, taps it in. Hat trick for the left back, the first left back to score a hat trick. Since what, 1998? Jose 97. Va- 97, Jose Vasquez of the LA Galaxy. Gets it. Moro equals equals that mark. Player of the week, the sh- the, the shield uh, accomplished the game done and dusted. Four uh, two Toronto. You FC. know, in the fourth goal, it had a feel of Altador against the Montreal Impact in the second leg of the yes, 2016 did. playoffs, where he he was on a mission. He won the ball in midfield, carries his run forward. There's no, he's unplayable when he's like that. And I, I think it's a deft little touch over top of an outrushing Robles. I think he's going for goal, but again, Moro's the right man in the right time, in the right spot, taps it in for his hat trick. At the end of the game, I love the celebration of the subs coming flying off the pitch, shows togetherness, uh, and, and that everybody in this group is together. Shout out to Betasher, his 200th appearance as well. He does it the same night as a guy that was drafted the exact same year to the exact same team, his good mate, Justin Morrow. So a special night for both players. I wonder what the San Jose front office are thinking watching these like, two we play. gave up them? San Jose somehow is still in playoff San, contention. Don't I don't know how. San Jose, they were awful when they came here. And they're was, still in playoff contention. Why is Shea Salinas playing left back? And you know what? They won the Supporters' Shield, I think, in 2015 or 14 with those two as fullbacks. So they have to be kicking themselves. No kidding. Uh, their mistakes, Toronto FC benefits. The celebrations post-match with the fans. I was, Epic. I was devastated. I was on the desk doing the Vancouver KC broadcast. Uh, I wanted to be there so badly. I was texting you, Wheels. Yeah. Caldwell was texting me. No surprise. He was in the pub. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to be there. Must I, have been. In, what were the scenes like around BMO and in Liberty Village? I'm, I'm amazing over the course of the night. Um, there's some video out there of hundreds of Toronto FC supporters celebrating Where by the GO that? train. Right by the GO train. Where you go north at Liberty. Outstanding. I want to give a special shout out to Jonathan Azorio because I think the Canadian local players, it means that much more. We interviewed him on the field and he was clearly emotional. And the first player that he gave a shout out to was Ashton Morgan. You know, the longest serving player on this team. And the fact that he may have not been playing that night, but what it means for the Canadian players, what it means for guys who continue to be around the club, continue to contribute, continue to represent everything that's good about Canadian football and the local market and the local club. I just thought it was absolute class by Oso to bring up Ash at a time like that because players like that do play a significant role. They matter so much. 100%, and, and I think Greg Vanny gets that. I, I think Toe St. Ricketts being Canadian... Osorio, uh, Ashton Morgan, players that have been through a ton already, and they're still such young players. I thought Osorio's form right now is so, so good. He, don't forget, he came on at 2-2 and helped change the game. Uh, he's just just really unlucky, the fact that he's on the outside looking in of a very good midfield three. So the Supporter Shield is won by Toronto FC. We'll tell you what it all means and reflect upon some of the high moments of this season that's coming up next right here on come on you reds 
This is Come On You Reds, Wheeler and Dunfield with you. So your Toronto FC have clinched the best overall record in MLS soccer, meaning that if they keep on winning, they keep on going, there will be another MLS Cup final here in Toronto December 9th. Now it's all about playoff positioning. Five spots are settled in the Eastern Conference. TFC, New York City FC, Atlanta United, Chicago Fire, and Columbus Crew have all clinched. And in the Western Conference, just one team, Terry, has clinched a playoff spot. Another former team of yours, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah, credit to the Caps. I'll be honest, they got battered by KC, but they're finding ways to win on the road. Six away wins this year. Uh, they found a system that works of, of sitting extremely deep, hitting teams on the counter. Uh, their two center halves have been immense there, Waston and, and Parker, but uh, credit to the Caps, and I, I think their manager, XTFC player Carl Robinson, is getting the best out of every single player there. We'll, we'll save this for another pod. I think Portland's your threat, though, coming right. out of the West. We'll save this because we're going to have another pod before Toronto FC plays next, coming out of the international break next week. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Western Conference because for me, the Eastern Conference head and heels better than the Western Conference just in terms of teams with an identity. TFC, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Columbus. You know how all those teams are going to play. In the West, it's a little bit of a free-for-all right now. Yeah, the, the East, is it, they flip-flop now. A few years ago, the, the West was, was so difficult. For many years. With, with good Salt Lake teams. Seattle, tough place to go. Portland's good. The Galaxy. Uh, so, so some of the teams in, in the West have, have dropped off a little bit. Minnesota have caught some form a little bit too late, albeit. Colorado used to always be a tough place to go with the L there. Uh, Houston now on the west. Houston, used to, they're finding some form with their three up front uh, from Honduras, but uh, BBVA Park's always a tough place to go. I think the two best teams, though, in the west right now are definitely Portland and KC. KC, very good defensively, possession-based team. Uh, so I, I think those are your two threats uh, come MLS Cup final. Uh, let's look back on the Toronto FC season, shall we? In our latest installment of High Five, <laughs> it's you're our not, top five you're not list. not going to let that go, are no, you? No, <laughs> but we will try to venture to get some sort of sound effect made to intro this segment for next week. Now, there's a little bit of confusion. Oh, you, what do you want to jump on? We also have, and you've got to decide how you want to give it away. I was talking to our kit man, Sash. Yeah. Top man. A ball with five signatures of your choice of TFC to give away. We can give away on the pod. Yes. So. Let's do it next week. On next week's pod, we'll have a chat and we'll figure out how we're going to give away this ball. And Sounds you, good. You, whoever wins it gets their choice of only five signatures right through the club. So you can get Bill Manning. You can get TFCU 14 head coach Terry Dunfield. Media extraordinaire, Gareth Wheeler, Javinko, Alter, whoever you want on this ball. No offense to us and even Bill, but you want players to sign that ball. Not washed up players? <laughs> Not so much. Bill Manning? I, listen, if it was Bill Manning... So who would your five uh, players be on your own ball? On mine? Yeah. Whew. But that will seem like a picky favorites. <laughs> <laughs> get off the fence. I'm going to say You're that. You're telling me to no, get off the fence. That will be next five. That will be, that'll be our t high five next week. Okay. The five players that I would want to sign my Toronto FC soccer ball. Okay. Sounds good? It's like, it's like the five players you'd have over to your house for dinner. Yes. Who would yes. it be? So we're going to do that next week. That will be the high five. But there was some confusion this week when I put it on Twitter. I put 
send me your top five performances from this season. And I thought it was straightforward. People start sending me their top five players, their top five. What? I was like, do you not get this? Like the top five Toronto FC games, wins, performances of the year. So then people started figuring it out and sending in We've uh, had their lots suggestions. Lots of responses, haven't we? Lots of responses. So we're kind of running out of time because it was a big edition of uh, Come On You Reds. But let's go through it. Five to one. One being the top Toronto FC game or performance of let's the year. Let's count down. Yeah, counting down. Five yeah. to one. So we'll finish with our best. Yes, that's, okay. yeah, that's how this segment that's works. That's why there's confusion around you this morning, mate. It should be simple. Five <laughs> to one. We're one all, being the best. We're all in Counting your head, down. Dude. We're all in your head. <laughs> so okay. when it comes to best Toronto FC performances or games, let's start at number five. For you, go ahead. <laughs> right on to me? Yeah, okay. do, do you want no, me no, to go no, first? I'll go first. It's all right. You can call me again like last week. So number one. No, number this five. Is, no, okay, number five. Going down to number one. Orlando away. 3-1 victory Woo. there. In the heat. On the back of a tough loss in Dallas. 3-1. The team showed absolute character. Grounded it out. Uh, against a very good Orlando team at home at the time. Okay. I have two. Follow that. I have 5A and 5B. I did a Terry Dunfield. Because it all happened in the same okay. week. Okay. The... 4 nothing win over the San Jose Earthquakes. I know San Jose were poor, but they completed 828 passes in that game. How can I ignore that? 828, that's incredible. That's like two games. And on the same week, they beat the Los Angeles Galaxy 4 nothing in Los Angeles, a place where TFC's only ever won once before. So that's I included good... all that together because I think they beat two weaker opponents, but the way they went about their business and did it, that was impressive to me. Well done. I'll give okay. you that. I like that, Is that okay? too. No, that's very okay. And by the way, just look on my sheet of paper here. So you know when they do the team of the week and yeah. they have players on the bench, yeah. which is stupid. That uh, was your bench? That was like my asterisk or my bench. Okay. So like my six or like notable mention is the two results that you just said. Okay. So we're on the same page. What do you got at number four? Number four. We should go back. Your, your first system. Okay. The five niller at home against Columbus. The crew on May 26th. Think about this. Toronto SC beat the Columbus crew, a very difficult team, a team that had already beat them this year. They didn't have Javinko and Altidore in the team, and they scored five goals. Victor Vasquez, it was the game where he did the free kick underneath Under the, the wall. wall. Oh, I'm glad yeah, you brought that early, up. I have so much penalty. time for that. Uh, and then the two Canadian substitutes coming on, Azorio and Hamilton finishing the job. Thought it was a good night all round for Toronto FC, good home game, emphatic victory, the biggest win of the year. Like, in terms of scoreline. Yeah. Uh, I can see that why that made you top five. I get it. Probably should have that in five. <laughs> no, no, no. No, there's tough ones. It's like, tough. There's That's one I kept the off and is. I can't believe I did it. We couldn't even, back when I played, we couldn't even make, we could make a top two right. of our season. Right. So, uh, number four for me, Toronto stuffing the fire 3-1 at home. Uh, and that started off a six-game win streak, and that was on the back of two draws against KC Atlanta and a loss to Javinko Brace on the night. Good yep. memory. So I thought that that, that really kick-started uh, some good form. Didn't make my list, but at number three, 
the 3-1 victory over the Chicago Fire in Chicago made my list August 19th. And I thought it was an ugly game. And it wasn't Toronto SC's quote-unquote best game played. But the way that they dominated the midfield, they forced Bastian Schweinsteiger back to a deep-lying position. Nicholas Hasler scores the game-winning goal. Javinko finishes the job late. I just thought going to a place where Chicago hadn't lost all season long and beating a rival in a game that was billed as the top of the table clash thought it was just a big statement win for Toronto FC that night I agree I, I, and MLS really built that game built up that big game time. Up. I, was that on the back of the all-star game like a well? couple weeks after the all-star game yeah, yeah that was um that was impressive August stuff. 19th and that was followed up a very good home performance against the Portland Timbers which yeah. almost made my list uh when they won 4-1 where I'm gonna go uh and I'm surprised this isn't on your list maybe it is in your top two the performance in Seattle away from home. That, that's the one I was referring to that didn't make my list but should have. But you. I'm going to mention it on my next one. Got but you. go ahead. So, explain why that was so important. Uh, complete change of system there. Uh, personnel were missing. I thought on the day, Altidore potentially, he's had some good ones, his best performance of the season, led the line on his own. Benoit Cheru came yep. into the team, played alongside Bradley. That hasn't always worked. And the team almost played with the box in midfield and uh, went to Seattle, reigning 2016 champs, who I think have strengthened again this year. Uh, tough, tough place to go and 1-1-0. They didn't have a number of key players for that game as well. So it was a makeshift team to go and get a little bit of redemption against the team that beat you in the MLS Cup final. I thought that was a statement victory through and through. I love that performance. And, and That's the, why and, I'm disappointed it didn't make my top five. And and the, if you looked at the lineup and, and Greg leaving a couple players at home, protecting a couple of players, not having to make the long trip out west, I, I, I thought uh, that tactically that was the coaching staff's best game. They got it spot on. Well, I'm going to change this because you I thought no, 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 no. I like to what you just said. I thought the coaching staff's best game was the game that comes in at number two for me. Toronto FC gets absolutely dominated on May 10th against the Columbus Crew for about 50 minutes, 60 minutes of that game. They're down one nothing. They make a couple of adjustments, and Toss St. Ricketts comes away with a brace in the last 10 minutes of play. Raheem Edwards is substitute. His fingerprints all over the two goals scored by Ricketts. Columbus and TFC away. out of nowhere comes away with a 2-1 victory. Out of nothing. And it wasn't just bringing on Raheem Edwards. Think about this. In the first half, the formation wasn't working. You take off Chris Mavinga in the 40th minute. You bring on Ricketts. You go to four at the back. You bring on Shea Rue at the start of the second half just to hold a little bit. And to finish the job, you bring in Raheem Edwards in the 70th, 78th minute for Jay Chapman. And all of a sudden, you find some width. You find some space. The resiliency of this team, just the way that they scraped out a victory out of nothing, that for me is why that comes in at number two. Fair the coaching well staff said. in terms of the in-game adjustments. And that, that game for me was the first time where I said to myself, and I've watched Raheem Edwards develop, come through the academy, play a lot of games for Jason Bent for TFC2. That was the first time when I said to myself, yes, this guy belongs in the MLS. Two great crosses, one off his right foot. Uh, he was playing on his one opposite wing. One from the right wing. side, one yeah. from the left side, yeah. Uh, so I, I thought he was awesome. Toe St. Ricketts was awesome. And, and a couple of real good changes, as you mentioned, from the coaching staff. I thought Benoit Cheru, his passing really opened up the Columbus crew from deep. Uh, you're number two for you. 
the game We're, on the weekend. New York uh, really? winning the Shield, 4-2. Little bit of pressure on the back of a couple of tough results. It, it's really hard to get over the line sometime. Uh, I think this is a monkey off, off the team's back. They've got the Shield now. They were always going to win it. Uh, and they can now focus on the MLS playoffs against one of your rivals, the New York Red Bulls. Yep. The fans will never forget the 5 niller five years ago or whenever that happened, which stopped TFC getting into the playoffs. Uh, the way the team did it. Uh, and, of, and winning the Shield, as we discussed in our first segment on the show, this is so, this, this is huge. The weight of the Shield is underappreciated in North America and winning the league. Uh, this is a massive on- accomplishment for everybody connected with Toronto FC. Uh, number one, 4 nothing over New York City FC July 30th. New York's apparently the second best team in the league. They may look like second-class citizens. Javinko on his left foot, the first goal. Is that, on, gonna, whoa, is that a shot at Man City fans? It is, citizens? it is, it is. I see uh, what you're doing there. Javinko nice with the free kick goal. The final goal, Javinko just playing it over the top to Raheem Edwards for the finish. Like, that game, Toronto FC just completely crushed, demoralized what should be a contender in the New York City FC. Love that game. Love that performance. Best game all year, July 30th. It's incredible. New York, New York City, everyone keeps telling me, and you watch Via, and you watch them play in the highlights, and I've seen them play a lot this year. You think this is such a good team, but they really are in TFC's back pocket. Here, Vieira, why don't you, why don't we let him out of the closet for a bit? Honestly, yeah. we've uh, really got their number. For whatever reason, our, our players, our system, everything just stacks up so well against them. That was a great day. But for me, my number one, uh, was the Canada Cup final and Juvinko scoring against ex- in ex- extra time, time or out of, yeah. injury time, uh, and the place just erupted. That's that's as loud as I've seen Bimo uh, when he scored against Montreal. It was just such a dramatic game. The reason why I didn't make my list is I personally was focusing on the games that led Toronto FC to the Supporter Shield. Okay. So it wasn't including that cup was competition. part of it. That that cup, winning the cup, kicked the team on. Okay. And that, that was the most dramatic finish. Are you banning my talk? No, no. So it's allowed it's in there Plenty of other people have sent that in as part of their list. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at WheelerTSN. Thanks to Ronnie. I'll be Win- honest. I'm a Ronnie of- hits me up winning the Canadian Championship. That was top his list. Uh, that made Kirtan's list as well, but he agrees with me, New York City at home. So does Jared. He agrees with me, New York City at home. My list was almost exactly the same as Jared's. Like, spot on, good work. I think that we only had one game good that was different. Jared, that, that the only on other the one was at number two. Instead of the 2-1 win over Columbus, he had the Seattle win, one nothing, which actually came on the same week as that Columbus 2-1 win. Voyager's Cup, Steven says that. That win. Jason agrees with you, you as well. How do you pronounce this name? Jason has that. Sauruba Chauhan? I don't know. Sauruba. He, he agrees with you pretty much yeah. all the way through. No, no, he says he must winning have been, Canadian he must championship have, in he, Seattle. He agrees with he you, agrees buddy. He agrees with you. He must have been drinking this morning. Anyways, thanks to <laughs> all for everyone that weighed in. Hit us up on Twitter, at WheelerTSN, at Terry underscore Dunfield, and you can take a look at that thread and contribute yourself. We are almost flush at a time, but just enough time to look ahead to the international break. That's coming up next right here on Come On You Reds. Final segment of Come On You Reds, Wheeler and Dunfield with you. Massive games ahead. 
head for World Cup qualifiers. Armando Cooper, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador front and center Friday night in Orlando, 7.30 p.m. as the U.S. men's national team still control their own destiny. Terry Dunfield, that's the game that we're watching more than any other one, isn't it? Friday night, U.S. men's national team in Panama. If they're going to finish third and not go into the playoff game, they have to win this game. No question about it. Obviously, a tough defeat. They're coming off at home at New York Red Bull Stadium against Costa Rica 2-0. Bruce Arena has tried to steady the ship, not trying anything new. Uh, he, he's he's going to go with the experience, I think. I think his center-half partnership of, I think it'll probably be Cameron and Gonzalez is going to be very important. Uh, obviously, Altidore up top uh, will be key. Um, and, and Michael Bradley pulling the strings. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a very, very good game. I think the fact that they're playing in Orlando, very pro-U.S. crowd, I think that's going to be important. I think playing at Red Bull Stadium wasn't great. Um, so Orlando is a proper stadium. It'll and, be and a that, good and atmosphere. That, and and that, their last loss was their first loss since 2000 on home turf. Uh, and I think their last loss was against, I was talking to Jeff Bradley, who works for the media department, heads that at Toronto FC, uh, Michael Bradley's uncle. He was saying that the last time they lost at home soil was RFK Stadium, 3-2 to Honduras. And, and I think it, it's important that U.S. soccer really maximize their fans and atmosphere. And I think playing in Orlando Well, after key. Alexi Lalas called out the team, and I don't think it I was fair. I knew you fair. were going to go there. No, no, but I don't think As it was fair. As a player, I'd want to punch him out. Yeah, no kidding. Bradley and Altador, what they've done for this country is nothing short of exceptional. And Bradley's going to put his team on his back. He's a true leader. Check out the piece that he wrote to the city of Toronto, by the way, on torontofc.ca. I have all the faith in the world at the Toronto FC duo and some of the players around them. I think that Bruce Arena has work to do getting his team right. I don't think he's got them sorted. I think all of this comes down to coaching more than the players' performances. And we'll see how it all plays out. They're, they're still in control of their own destiny. Terry, we're almost flush out of time, but want to mention Canada, El Salvador on Sunday. Another good test, albeit just a friendly, but a game where three Canadians, Edwards, Azorio, and Ricketts are all back in the team. And all could still play a significant role in the team this Sunday. And I think that these are the type of friendlies Canada have to have. I, I, I didn't like, okay, I loved it as a player going to Austria, hanging out in the spa, playing on perfect pitches. But Canada has to be playing opposition that they'll face to get to major events. I'm with you. 100%. And uh, all three Canadian TFC players come into that game in very good form. And I think Jonathan Azorio is really enjoying his time with the Canadian men's national team. We will recap it all on next week's episode. In the meantime, Sebastian Javinko wrote a piece for Players' Tribune about what he wants to do. Here's a hint. See Niagara Falls and win an MLS Cup. It's a rare look, personal look, at him growing up, the type of person he is, well worth the read. And we got a bunch of content coming out. I sat down with the head coach, Greg Vanny. I did a little bit of a retrospective about how Toronto FC have got to this point. Uh, all worth the watch. Go to torontofc.ca. Enjoy the weekend, Terry. Some international football, World Cup qualifiers, and a big tournament here at the Kia Training Grounds. Yeah, under 15, under 17, GA Cup is coming into town. Any fans, come check out my team or Caps' team, the under 17. There'll be some good football on show. We're playing Columbus Friday. Colorado Saturday, and Chicago on Monday here at Kia Training Ground. Brilliant. So still a ton of football to talk about. We'll recap it all next week. In the meantime, enjoy. Happy Thanksgiving, Toronto. And this has been Come On You Reds.